Welcome to the Confessions of an IT Business Owner podcast, where we believe that healthy cash flow is critical for your IT business, automation is paramount, and building trust with your clients by looking professional will help grow your business. I'm your host, Ryan Goodman, and today we're going to actually break from our normal theme and talk with Mike Harvath from Revenue Rocket about his experience with mergers and acquisitions related to IT service providers and MSPs. It's not really about should we put it in the market or should we put it in small tech firms. There's a lot more probably to do with their expectations around return and they're able to take more risk. So then they come to our area of the market, which particularly with a high percentage of recurring revenue, uh, they see as a pretty safe bet. Here's the podcast with Mike. All right. Well, Mike, thanks for thanks for joining us on the call and on the show today. Appreciate you you taking the time to speak with us today. You bet. Awesome. Well, let's get a couple of basics out of the way. Uh, tell us a little bit about your business and also where people can find more details about your company and services and where they can engage in a discussion with you, whether that's website, online forums, social media. You bet. Thanks, Ryan. I appreciate it. Um, as you mentioned, um, I'm Mike Harvath. I'm the uh, founder and CEO of Revenue Rockets. Um, the audience certainly can find more information about us at uh, revenuerocket.com. We are a uh, growth strategy consultancy and M&A advisor uh, for uh, IT services companies and in general, uh, tech partners. So uh, folks that are partners of the major vendors that implement their uh, software and tools. We really do two things. We help them grow uh, through um, help them optimize the business to best in class. And we facilitate uh, both buy side and sell side M&A transactions for them. Sure. So how did you get started in the business? You know, what, what was your background related to technology and then merger and acquisitions? Yes. I, you know, I started in the business in the early 80s. Um, I uh, worked for Apple. I helped them design a little computer called the Macintosh. No kidding. And um, then later uh, went on to uh, work for uh, a major distributor, a uh, company in Tempe, Arizona, uh, MicroAge. We helped them grow pretty uh aggressively while I was there. I was there about seven years. Okay. Um, helped them get through their public offering and scale the business to about $6 billion in revenue. And then uh, determined that I really wanted to spend time um, as a channel partner in the services business, really. Um, and I then successfully started and sold several uh, IT services companies prior to uh, starting Revenue Rocket in Really in late 2000. Okay. So you've been in this technology space for several, several years prior to getting involved in the consultancy side of the business. And that's a really interesting tidbit that you were involved with uh, the Apple Macintosh. That's incredible. Yeah, there's not too many of us still around. Right. (laughs) I I guess, or at least we're getting, uh, you know, farther into our career, but... Uh, yeah, I, I certainly um, having the background as an electrical engineer and then later going to business school and happened to get a uh, sociology degree along the way. So kind of a <clears throat> crazy combination of education, but 
it's all worked out in the end. I was going to say, it sounds like it's working out for you. Maybe there's some notes everybody should be taking on that. <laughs> yeah. So I have a couple scenarios here. Um, this is specifically related to M&A, and I want to play out a scenario. Um, let's say I'm an MSP IT service provider. I'm thinking about exiting mm-hmm. my business sometime over the next five years or so. What are some of the top things I should be focusing on and what steps do I need to be making right now for that five years in the future? Sure. So um, there's a few things. Um, there's certainly a lot of this information you can find on our website or if you're a Microsoft partner, you can find it also on the Microsoft uh, partner network sites. Um, the, um, the primary thing is to drive profit and consistent growth. Um, so the value in, in all managed services businesses is derived from uh, really uh, um, consistent and growing profitability and the same for top line. Mm-hmm. Generally, when multiples are reported, uh, you hear about a multiple of revenue or a multiple of reoccurring revenue more, uh, more commonly. And both of those metrics are simply a way to report uh, a ratio or a metric on the transaction. Sure. The real uh, way to add value in the business is to increase um, your profitability uh, to best in class. And for most you know, managed service providers, those numbers are somewhere north of 12 to 15 percent EBITDA. Uh, and if you can get above those numbers consistently um, and continue to scale and grow the business, that's the best way to build value on, uh, into the business. So when people are seeing these valuations and they're seeing uh, multiple based on the revenue side, there's a whole lot underneath that that maybe they're not getting by just seeing that number on the surface. Yeah, sure. And, and there's a variety of other things that I would recommend. You know, you need to be able to have a sort of a transferable business uh, if your goal is to sell out. Um, if your goal is to sell in, which many owners do, they want to be part of something bigger, um, then, then that becomes a little less important. Um, but certainly being able to build um, repeatable processes, be able to drive efficiency, uh, be able to have a strong sort of sales and marketing function that drives both top line and bottom line profit. And then, of course, the obvious, which is to increase your uh, kind of reoccurring uh, billable uh, percentage, you know, all are things that will ultimately drive value. Sure. Now, Inside of a business, we have the we have the owner side, and you know, planning on an exit at some point, whether it's a sellout or sell in, like you had mentioned. But there's also employees in the business, of course. So, what have you seen, or do you have any recommendations around which employees or business associates should be involved in these processes, or when should you let key staff members know you're thinking about this type of a an exit strategy? Well, I think it's important to not have distractions in the business. Um, and M and a is certainly a distraction. Sure. And I think what's best is to let the, bring the employees, uh, key employees into the conversation closer to the end of the process. Uh, certainly folks in finance may need to be in to brought into the process in the last, you know, one to two months of the process while final due diligence was being done and, they may be participating in that. Usually we recommend our clients have those individuals sign a non-disclosure agreement uh, 
um, you know, swear them to secrecy. Right. Um, because certainly no deal is done or over until it's over. And I don't know that you want to be able to or have a situation where uh, your employees think you're selling out and then ultimately that deal doesn't happen or selling in even for that matter. Right. Um, and uh, ultimately there's something that uh, causes a snag and the deal doesn't happen. And, you know, then people wonder, well, are you really here for us? Are you, do you have our back? I think what all um, owners of IT services companies, managed service providers need to know is that your team is there because of you. Uh, and if you're, uh, looking at changing up your relationship with the business, even if you're selling in, that can be unsettling for them. And you want to make sure that the deal is going to transact, uh, before you begin to bring employees into the conversation. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. So to piggyback on that question, at what point does a company like you, what time, what, what point do you guys come in? to the conversation within that five-year span and and really then what role do you play once you're involved well you know it, it depends if someone's looking to prepare to sell within a five-year period certainly there's benefit in engaging us in a strategy sort of optimization engagement sure um, we have a model called svp uh, we call it specialized verticalized productized which really focuses on aligning around your core offering, um, then aligning it to a vertical market or small subset of vertical markets, and then building both process-based and technology-based IP that you can deploy um, against those markets. Uh, and by implementing that model effectively, um, you can uh, accelerate growth and profit. We've, we've done you know, over 200 of those engagements successfully um, with clients of ours. Um, and certainly they've had remarkable performance, uh, over the years. If you do that, uh, ahead of a transaction, uh, certainly that makes you not only more marketable, um, but more valuable. Right. Um, and, uh, we could then when the time is right, take you to market. Now there are times I'll just add that, you know, we have plenty of firms that have contact us and say, Hey, we're thinking about selling. Um, and we'll engage and, and look at the business and then bring them to market as, as appropriate. Sometimes when we do that and engage in that way, our recommendation is for them to not sell now, uh, optimize the business first and then sell. Absolutely. So what's the best way to, for, for an MSP owner to let prospective buyers know I'm planning my exit or how do they even go about that? Um, you know, I'm ready to sell while trying to keep employees from being up in arms about something that may or may not happen. How do they how do they start getting to market, getting interest? Well, the best way to do that is to hire an advisor. Uh, it's been often said that, you know, um, a merger and acquisition combination of businesses is the most unnatural act in business. And as a matter of fact, a very small percentage of transactions that are not represented by the advisor actually get done. It's less than 1%. Oh, wow. So I, I've met many business owners that feel that it's on their own, that they're, you know, they've negotiated a lot of transactions. They know a lot of people in the industry. However, there's hundreds and hundreds of things that need to get done and or negotiated to successfully get one of these deals done. And while you're running the business um, is not the time to try to do that on your own. 
Not to mention the fact that most people, uh, even if you're a business owner, may only participate in a handful of M&A transactions in their career, even if they're very experienced. Right. So when you look at a firm, you know, like ours, Revenue Rocket, um, you know, we've done 170 transactions or facilitated those transactions over the years. Um, you certainly learn a lot of things uh, on every deal on what to do and what not to do and how to optimize deal uh, a transaction. And we think the best way to go to market if you're considering a sale or if you're considering acquiring a firm for that matter is to uh, hire a qualified advisor to help you. Yeah. Now that makes a lot of sense. I mean, do you want your you want your chances of, of home runs to be someone who's hit five or, or 200, you know? <laughs> Hey guys, Ryan Goodman here, president at Connect Booster and your host for this fine podcast. We want to take a quick break from our episode and thank you for listening. We wouldn't do this if it weren't for you, so thank you for sticking with us on this adventure. We also want to thank Mike for joining us on today's episode. You can find out more about Mike and Revenue Rocket at RevenueRocket.com. Mike has given us a lot of fantastic information about mergers and acquisitions, and there's a lot more coming after this break. If you want to learn more about Revenue Rocket and their services, give them a call, send an email, throw a carrier pigeon if you have to. They want to help you out. Before we get back to the episode, we want to let you know all the ways you can find us online, starting with connectbooster.com slash podcast. That's where all our new episodes go up first. So if you want to listen right away, connectbooster.com slash podcast. All of our episodes are available on iTunes, Spotify, and Google as well. So find us on your favorite podcast platform, and they'll let you know when new episodes are ready to listen to. Now, lastly, if you want to connect with us or be a guest on the podcast, make sure to email us at podcast at connectbooster.com or send us a message on Facebook, Twitter, and we'll point you in the right direction. Thanks again for listening to the Confessions of an IT Business Owner. We'll get back to the podcast and talk to you soon. So I have another scenario that I want to throw at you here. Let's say we have an emergency situation. I'm an MSP owner, IT service provider, whether it's an illness or death in the family, whatever life throws at us, such as a curveball, and I need to sell in a year or less, what are the most important things that I need to be doing in that case? Well, I think the sooner you can bring, again, I don't want to sound like a broken record here, but the sooner you can bring an advisor into the conversation, the better, um, because you can determine value right away uh, and then talk about options. We've certainly participated in a lot of those such scenarios mm -hmm. where either the business was in trouble and needed to combine with someone to survive mm -hmm. or uh, they, you know, had a health issue and they had to exit or there was a divorce in one case and a variety of other things. So certainly there's uh, scenarios that come up, but, uh, I think the best thing you can do is first quickly learn how much your business is worth and then discuss your options with a qualified advisor that can take you to market. Um, and then beyond that, I think, you know, you have to look at fortifying your management team because if you're going to be gone, um, you know, then it makes sense that uh, you can transition management to folks that are there. 
I think, you know, as a side note, you know, that's a business continuity planning exercise that all business owners that own managed service providers should be doing anyway. Um, you know, if you get hit by the proverbial bus, mm-hmm. you know, who's running the business? Have you put it in, in a position to, uh, have enough capitalization to grow, AKA do you have key man insurance? Uh, do you know what someone would do? Uh, should there be a scenario like that? And, what many of our clients do is they have a transition plan. Um, should the unforeseen happen to someone, uh, they keep it in the desk drawer and um, have their you know key staff understand where it is. And if for whatever reason they you know have a bad diagnosis or you know heaven forbid have an accident or something happen, they can then turn to the transition plan. That makes sense. I mean, what I'm hearing is early preparation is paramount and key assume it is going to happen at some point and be ready for it and i think the thing to keep in mind is that we're all kind of on a one-way trip right we're not going to live forever (laughs) it's true Um, and if the business is core for uh to you and you're critical to business operation i think you're you know doing yourself a disservice by not having you know a multi-scenario uh laden transition plan you know, what do we do if we get a bad diagnosis? What do we do if we, you know, die uh, suddenly in a car wreck or something? Right. You know, what if uh, you have a hit injury or what if you're disabled or, you know, a variety of scenarios. And I think it's appropriate to think through those transition planning uh, scenarios. Make sure your senior team knows kind of where the, all that information is and how to access it and then how to execute against the plan as needed. Great advice. So I'm going to shift gears on you a little bit here. What's your opinion on the current buying slash selling market as it stands today? Well, it's for sure a very frothy market. Um, we've It's probably the best market we've seen in IT services and consulting, managed services um, ever. Sure. Wow. And so I think, um, you know, I don't know how long that'll uh, last. There's a lot of questions when I mention that people ask, well, how long do you think the market will be so good? You're taking my and questions think, away, well, Mike. Well, you know, <laughs> yeah, I know it's, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to get, it's hard to anticipate that, you know, right. I think the new tax regulations in the States have certainly uh, probably given that market some legs. Uh, and, you know, if I had to predict, I'd say we probably have a seller's market, continuing for another um, year or so. We do see some indications that the market is topping, uh, that we're kind of getting to a a peak um, from volume and and valuations. Uh, If you sort of look at all the analysts that sort of coming to that point, no one has gone so far as to say that the market is topping, but we sort of see some indications that that's the case. Now, certainly, whether you're a buyer or a seller, you know, obviously it's a good time for a seller. Um, there's been a shift to more cash at close, uh, over the last 18 months or so, again, which is an indication of sort of a, uh, frothy topping market, if you will. Um, and, but it doesn't mean that it's a bad market for buyers either. Um, and we've seen and transacted a lot of interesting transactions on behalf of buyers. Uh, because I think when you look at a transaction, a lot of people get wrapped around the axle on multiples of a bit of, you know, comparative multiples when the actual metric that you should be measuring has much more to do with um, internal rate of return if you're a buyer um, and synergies around um, 
you know, the, the offer and how that will work uh, for your business. Uh, and I have plenty of examples uh, where people have quote unquote paid a premium uh, based on a multiple basis, but still was able to still were able to get their, all of their money back within a period of less than three years. Yeah. And we think that that is a pretty good return. Yeah. That's incredible. Are you guys, are, are a lot of people making these um, decisions based on where do I put my money versus the market versus acquisition? Is that a, is that one of the major decision factors that you find as you're having conversations? Uh, you know, it sort of depends on the kind of buyer, right? So strategic buyers are typically people who are acquiring firms that are smaller, but like them, uh, that may give them access to a geography or a vertical market that they may not be in. Um, there are certainly bu buyers that buy adjacency businesses or, you know, businesses that have, uh, that are complementary. We, we help to manage service provider, um, by a, um, a web marketing company, for example, one that sure. focused on their vertical. And that was a great, you know, adjacency for them and, and worked really well for them. So there's those types of acquisitions that look a lot more like strategic deals, um, but they're what we call adjacencies. And then there's financial buyers who are really looking at simply the financial transaction. And, you know, we've seen the multiples that financial buyers pay come up to almost meet those of a strategic um, uh, usually financial buyers buy at a couple ticks, if I, I'd say a couple times a bit lower than a strategic uh, on a multiples basis. Um, but certainly those, that gap has been narrowing in the last year or so, year and a half, okay. um, as more and more of these financial buyers have to put money to work. So kind of a long winded answer to the question, but I, I think it's not really about, should we put it in the market or should we put it in? Um, put it in if you're a financial buyer in small, you know, tech firms, that's a lot more probably to do with their expectations around return and they're able to take more risk. Right. So then they come to our area of the market, which particularly with a high percentage of recurring revenue, uh, they see as a pretty safe bet. Right. No, and that's, that's a great answer. How about the elections? We have midterms coming up here and, you know, we're midterm of a, uh, presidency, um, What's your gut say about uh, the effect on the market with election year? Or have you seen something, I guess maybe a better question is, have you seen something historically over your tenure in in this business around midterm and presidential elections? Yeah, you know, it's a good question. I, I, um, I don't know that it is it aligned to the elections. Uh, the market is as aligned to the elections as many uh, pontificate. I, I think there's a more a broader trend uh, in the cyclical nature of the of the market. Okay. Is it impacted on a, a micro basis during and around? Yeah, it's more of a macro view. I take more of a macro view. Yeah. But do you see um, it impacted on a micro basis based on who's elected? Yeah, certainly. I mean, we'll see some ups and downs, you know, around election, especially based on if. Uh, you know, the House uh, changes control or, uh, or, 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 you know, there's a variety of factors that could come into play on that. Um, but I don't think on a macro basis it will impact the market. I do think that, you know, the one thing that we can say pretty certain uh, with a lot of certainty is that the market will take a downturn. Um, we don't know quite when that will be, but it will happen. Um, the last time that happened, obviously, in 2008, we had a pretty uh, – 
big impact on the economy. Uh, it, it certainly froze the market from an M&A perspective for uh, at least a year. Um, very few transactions occurred um, while we were in financial tumult. Uh, I'd like to think that the trigger, if you will, for the economic downturn uh, will not be, you know, the financial crisis of 2008. Uh, it certainly will, you know, most likely be something else that none of us can predict. Um, but we do know that it will happen. And I think smart business owners are, you know, fortifying their balance sheets and uh, retiring debt while they can. Right. Uh, and certainly are looking at, at and all that builds value in the business if they want to do a transaction. Right. Right. No, that's great advice. So to wrap things up here, what what key message would you like to drive home with those listening to our show today? It's hmm. a broad question. <laughs> that's a broad question. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think my argument would be for you to, um, as a business owner, uh, be somewhat introspective about your strategy and what you want to do with the business long term. Uh, and then make the appropriate changes as needed. We see we see a lot of business owners, particularly ones that are realizing relatively low profit vis-a-vis -vis what's possible. Uh, and I would consider that to be single-digit EBITDA profit, not making the changes that they need to be, move into double-digit EBITDA profit. Right. And, you know, the old adage, right, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different outcome. And, and I think, you know, being able to look uh, honestly at your business and say, you know, we really want to optimize it for health um, and optimize it for um, a future transaction is really what you need to be doing right now while we're still in a rising tide environment. Because if you're single digit profit and uh, we get to a downturn um, and you don't have a fortified strategy or a strong balance sheet, um, you know, the last, the last downturn, the financial downturn took 30% of your, of what will be the audience for this podcast out of business. Wow. So we certainly won't want to see a repeat performance on that. We don't want you to be in those numbers. Agreed. No, that's, that's great advice. And, and also, uh, a dose of reality based on history, right? You bet. Well, Mike, thank you so much. I appreciate your time today. This was this was great. I know everyone uh, listening appreciates your insight combined with your expertise. Yeah, you, you bet. Thanks a lot. You guys uh, need to reach me. You certainly can do so uh, on our website at info at revenuerocket.com. I'm copied on that email, as is our team. And we'd be happy to uh, respond to any questions that have come out of the podcast. 